Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello there and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. It's premium, honest, genuine content straight from our mouths into your ear holes. My name is Craig Telfer and I'm over the moon you're able to join me for this in-depth discussion with one of the best young broadcasters in the business right now. He was a tremendous forward who used to delight supporters with his performances for Falkirk, Dundee and St Mirren. Now he's delighting viewers and listeners with his performances on BBC Scotland's football coverage. Rory Loy, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Well, and welcome. Pleasure to be here. Good to catch up with you once again. I I first met you, Rory. It would have been the summer of 2018, and we recorded a podcast talking about your football career up until that point. And I think we were in each other's company for about four hours cumulatively. And at that point, I thought, this guy's got it. This guy could make it as a pundit. You were, I, th- I thought, listening to you look back in your career, you were insightful, analytical. You brought an engaging perspective to your key moments. And on top of that, great voice, tone, cadence, all the ingredients there to make a good pundit. So it's brilliant to see it come to pass. How have your experiences been broadcasting so far? Unbelievable, I must say. It's come on me in a, a bit of a flash and it's, um, yeah, it, it's come out the blue and it's been quite unexpected. But honestly, loving every single minute of it, it's it's such fun to be able to go and talk about football and watch games and give your opinion on things and, you know, be able to talk about all the things you feel you would want to hear if you if you were listening so aye it's it's really good I, I mean I listen to podcasts I listen to different outlets and different uh, uh, podcasts and loads of different things all the time I take a keen interest in it um, from all you know levels of Scottish football I find it really interesting so to now be given the opportunity to be to be part of it to an extent is it's amazing yeah so how did the opportunity come around so I mean a couple of years ago when I stopped playing I sent a few 
few messages out, touch base with a few people, but I, I'll be totally honest with you, Craig, desperation's too far, but I just finished playing. I was looking for, you know, I'm intelligent enough. However, you know, when you leave school at 16 and you finish playing at 31, it's, it's difficult to know what you want to do next. And, you know, working on the railway, playing with Dumbarton, it wasn't something, I know the last time we spoke, actually, it was just before I started doing all that. And, wow. and I was really looking forward to doing it all. And I gave it, I gave it my all, but, you know, bad back injury, plus probably in my own head had, had enough of, of the playing side of things coupled with the fact that the railway just wasn't for me yeah. um, you know tried to touch base with a few people just to see and I think it's great it's trying to get that message across that you're keen to do it but I'm more than prepared to work hard you know there's I totally appreciate there's people out there who have worked all their days to be journalists and broadcasters and do different things so I didn't want to you know get that feeling out there that I felt I should just walk into it or anything like that I wanted to you know portray that which is true that I'm more than prepared to go in and pour the teas and coffees and do whatever else just to get a feel for it just to to be around it so that I could learn to improve and potentially get a wee shot at doing it um, but I never really heard anything back at all so I went and got a job which I still do to this day working working for Sky not in any capacity broadcasting literally answering phones um, I've now moved up the ladder doing that, doing that side of things however I got a message at the back end of last season from Doug at the BBC um, Douglas McNeil who's been Unbelievable with me in terms of you know helping me out, you know speaking to me, um, and putting my name out there in, in terms of other opportunities within the BBC and got the opportunity. It was more of a guest to cover Partick Thistle Falkirk at, at for Hill. Partick Thistle ran out five 0 winners that night. Oh yeah, covered it with covered it with Eric Ferguson, who was who was lovely, great guy, he helped me out. I messaged Doug after, said, "Listen, I loved that." So I got another gig with done doing the Dundee Commandant game up at Dens, the playoff game. I was thinking in my own head, this is terrible timing. At the end of the season, you know, I've I've done two games. I'm I've loved it. Any potential opportunities may get lost in that eight week period where there's no football. Um, so I gave it a couple of weeks at the start of this season. Sent Doug a wee message saying, "Look, is there anything um, coming up?" And he gave me a gig at Almondvale in the Betfred Cup game, Livingston Wraith Rovers, and it's just snowballed and snowballed from there. That is class, man. It's great listening to you talk about it. It sounds like you're really enjoying it. Oh, it's that's amazing. Like I said, I mean, talking about football and I mean, given the chance to go and watch the games and I, I listen, I absolutely love it. And any feedback I've had is that kind of comes across that I'm enthusiastic. But mm-hmm. that's that's not something I need to put on. That's not something that's that's you know, I I, I genuinely love it. Um, really, really do enjoy it. Enjoy, enjoy you know, doing a bit of research before it, going up to the game, reporting on the team lines, and yeah, I, I just. It's something I really enjoy doing. It's something I'm passionate about is, you know, I just getting across how the information in a way which is easy to understand and that's enjoyable to listen to. And, you know, like I said, it's something that I'm in the car. I don't listen to music. I listen to these types of things mm-hmm. all, all the time. And I have done for years. So to be on the other end of the receiver for once is it's pretty cool. That's class. And Douglas McNeil, I'm sure he's a big St Mirren fan as well. Yes, indeed. So it yes, probably indeed. helped all that good work you did for them back in 2017. <laughs> well, when Doug contacted me, to be fair, I think um, I think he's helped a lot of people out um, or have get an opportunity within that type of thing. And I think when it comes to it, you either enjoy it or you don't. Um, so other people which he's helped out, I think he's helped out Marvin Bartley, Richard Foster. There's a number of names you could mm-hmm. probably... Uh, th- those are two that spring to mind when I was chatting to him. So um, I... Um, he, he's a big St Mern fan but I think it was just word of mouth I think he asks questions he said my name had come up a couple of times when he was asking boys you know who speaks well within the dressing room who mm-hmm. 
who would potentially be quite good. And like I said, I think when I went to that game at Hill, it was more as a guest because I was ex-Falkirk. They did a little bit on me at halftime with all the little clips from Lee McLeod and Alistair Lament, you know, commentating on the games that I'd been where I was involved and it was cool to listen to. But I was sitting there that night going, I don't, I don't want to be a guest. I want to be, I want to be someone who does this. Um, and then it's just trying to, again, come across grounded and, 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 and say, look, I really enjoy doing this. I don't expect anything, but mm-hmm. I'm more than prepared to work hard to, to get more opportunities so what, what can I do to make that happen um, and yeah I've just I've just tried my best to do as well as I can We'll come on and talk about the preparation and aspect and the match day experience and shortly Rory but who are some of your favourite broadcasters journalists pundits analysts So I mean it's, I suppose it's difficult to be asked that question without rhyming off all the names that other people would probably rhyme off but the reason people would do that is because they would probably consider them the best at it. You know, Ali McCoy the first one to spring to mind. Ah, of course. And when, I mean, when you, when you, the biggest thing about Ali McCoy is what, what most people say is, is an unbelievable knack of saying what you're thinking at that particular moment in time. So you're thinking it and then he says it because there's nothing worth, I think, when you're watching something and somebody misses something or he says something and you're like, well, that's no right or whatever else. And I'm sure I've been guilty of it being, you know, new to it all, but is a knack of saying something and then talking about things that aren't necessarily to do with football or a wee fact here or there or mm-hmm. an interesting story. It just makes it an experience rather than just yeah. a play-by-play. Um, so he's obviously great to listen to. Um, I really enjoy listening listening to him. Um, listen, there's, there's, there's so many, I think, you, you could rhyme off and you, you could talk about, but he he's probably the one that springs to mind as, as I think he would for for so many. Um, so he, he would probably be top of the list in terms of the ones that I enjoy listening to. Yeah, definitely. I think Ali McCoyst is considered to be the, the... I think most people would say he's the best in the business. He was excellent during Scotland's game against Israel. That sweet spot between somebody who sounds so lucky to be there, really enthusiastic, able to convey what's going on at the pitch, add a degree of insight that the punter at home might not necessarily have and, and just be really interesting to listen to. Yeah. No, I, I, Absolutely. Um, but away from ex-footballers as well, you know, I listen to guys on different podcasts. Daryl Broadfoot, I love listening to him. He's on Sports Sound quite a lot. He's, he, you know, and what I like about him is he talks about things, the other side of the game, which you know, you know, intricacies of the game and the politics of the game, which I don't even understand. But he's able to put, portray it and be concise with his information enough to know that I can listen to that and not fully understand the background of it. But he makes it easy to understand and he, he helps you to understand it so I, he's very articulate in the way he gets his point across and he's able to challenge certain arguments in a, in a way which is healthy and it's and it's and it makes for good debate so and I, I must say I enjoy listening to him as well um, so yeah all, all you know and I must say everyone at the, at the BBC that I've worked with um, has been unbelievably helpful and unbelievably kind and generous and you know, the actual, you know, we talk about pundits and we talk about people who, like Ali McCoy, or Daryl Broadfoot, who, whose job is to give opinions on the game. You know, commentators, like, I've touched on them already, Lee McLeod, Alistair Lamont. See, when you're actually standing next to these guys and they're doing the play-by-plays and they're doing, that's the difficult part. Mm-hmm. That's the difficult part. And they're, unbel- they're so quick to, to recognise players, whether it be through squad numbers, whether it be through, or, you know, Rob McLean's the same. And they're just so quick and they're so concise with their information that if you're listening to that on the radio you can picture it in your head what's actually happening 
Um, because TV is very different to radio, believe course, it or not. Yeah. Because um, you're obviously trying to build a picture, and you know these guys are just as impressive as your Ali McCoy, or your Daryl Broadfoots, or anyone else who is involved in the um, these types of programs. They they contribute so so much to it. Definitely, without without wishing to put my Stenhouse Muir FC cap on during the the lockdown period, I was the co-commentator on Stenhouse Muir FC's in-house TV channel, Warriors TV, and it's. It's a difficult job, you know, albeit, I mean, it's, it's a fairly small scale. I can't imagine there's that many people tuning in to see Stenhouse Muir versus Elgin City on a, a Tuesday night when there's five games being played in the space of 12 days. But nevertheless, you get a new found appreciation for something when you actually step in and do it. All the intricacies, having to pay attention all the time to what's going on in the pitch. You don't necessarily get the benefit of replays, but you really have to be switched on. Is that something you've found as well? You, you sort of switch into a different degree of concentration in your mind. Yeah, because it's one of these things, Craig, that so you can do as much preparation as you want, but something may happen in a game that you've, you've not prepared for. Um, and if that does happen and it can throw you, and it's like it's like anything, if you make one wee mistake, you then start thinking about it and then you've got to talk about another incident two or three minutes later, you're still maybe thinking about the track and you're not fully there. And one wee mistake can lead to the next one to the next one. And I suppose it's like any anything in life, whether you're... Um, playing the game and you make a mistake trying to get that out of your system or whatever else it's it's challenging it really is um, but you, you know preparing and doing your research and doing all these things definitely helps but when it comes to the the actual on the day commentating on the game I'm still very much learning and very much new to it and you know, I've made a couple of mistakes over the last few weeks which I'm my biggest critic and you know, I get annoyed at myself. So, um, but in the in the grand scheme of things, you know, these things happen all the time, and not a lot of people notice them. And it is difficult when you're commentating on something which is live at the end yeah. of the day. Um, is that the so, one you're talking about, Rory? Was that the when you were commentating on the Wraith Rovers Dunfermline game? Said about Dunfermline losing three 0 to Elgin yeah. City. That was a, obviously that was for anyone who didn't know that was a, because the match was uh, voided because of COVID, and Elgin City were awarded the win. Yes. Yeah, it was. And it well, there was that. There was a couple. So there was that one, for example. And you know that way where I'm doing my research in the house and I'm looking at loads and loads of different things. And I'd, you clock that result and you think, geez, oh, it's held beaten through. <laughs> but you know that way where I just, it simply just didn't register. It's, it's just human error. It was a mistake. And obviously you say it and, you know, you get a few different, no, that's a joke. You should know that, et cetera, et cetera. I should know that, but I'm a human at the end of the day. I'm not a computer, and I've looked at that result and I've taken it as gospel that it, that it was 3-0. I'm, I'm not able to get across every single game in the history of the season for every club. And I've just looked at the result, I've seen it, and I've and I've made comment on it. Because see, at the end of the day, it's, it stood out to me as, oh, mm-hmm. that's a terrible result. So it was a talking point. Obviously, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Um, and these things happen. I corrected it at the start of the second half, but... You know, it, it's just one of these things. Um, and you will get a collection of people who want to concentrate on the one mistake rather you know, rather than the 90 minutes of, of things you said which were correct. But um, aye, it's the same when you're playing. You're going to get stick for missing chances and not playing particularly well. So you've got to take the good with the bad. How do you find dealing with the stick? I imagine there hasn't been that much of it though, Rory, because from what I've seen, the, the comments about your, your commentary has been unanimously positive. Yeah, uh, listen. Uh, I think when you spent fifteen years in professional football, sticks kind of water off a duck's back. What I'm looking for and the type of person I am is constructive feedback. To see at the end of the day, social media is uh, listen. It's a minefield of difficulties out there on social media and things. But at the end of the day, 
when you're playing football, you're there to try and do as well as you can for your team, for your manager, and for your club. When I'm commentating on a game or when I'm you know, commentating on open all mics or whatever else, I'm there to make it a good experience for the fans, for the supporters. So it's important what they think at the end of the day because that's that's what I'm employed to do is to, to convey the, the game to them in a manner which they find enjoyable. That's why I'm there. So their opinion matters and their opinion's important. Um, so social media and feedback and criticism and as long as it's constructive is, you know, I want that and I want to take it on board and I want to learn from it. Mistakes like the Elgin thing, I mean, these things are going to happen throughout, but just in general, um, I don't, you know, as long as it's not outright rude, then I'm more than happy to take any kind of constructive feedback on board as, as possible to try and get better and to try and learn and try and develop. Do you know there's a thread in Pine Bovril about good commentators and it's called the Rory Loy Appreciation Thread? No, I didn't know that, but that's good to know. I might have a wee visit of that later now. <laughs> you said Definitely. that. But, it's in the Premiership um, Forum, so I just uh, pop in there when you get the chance. I, so you had a, you're a decent career as a player, but you might not necessarily be a household name. You feel like, I mean, I'm saying this compared to some of your peers that, that are on like open all mics and so on. Do you feel you've got to work harder then as a pundit to stick out a bit? I I was conscious. What I will say is I was conscious of my standing as a player when I when I got the opportunity to do this type of thing. So, you know, being alongside the likes of Derek Ferguson or Willie Miller or um, whoever it may be who have had unbelievable careers. And I suppose that how nice these guys are and how helpful they are and how good they are with me and how encouraging they've been. And, it, you know, it took that away straight away because they want to help me and they want me to enjoy it. They want me to get better. And everybody that I've came across, whether it be a producer, whether it be a, an ex-pro, whether it be a pundit, whether it be a journalist, you know, sitting with Brian McLaughlin last night at Dens Park, you know, he couldn't be more helpful. Couldn't he be nicer to me? Um, sitting with Willie Miller at Dens Park a couple of weeks ago, could the man could not be nicer, could not be more helpful. So it was in the back of my mind that, you know, I'm a small fish here. And, you know, do people really want to hear from Rory Loy, who used to play for Falkirk in Dundee? I, I don't know, is the answer. But all I do know is that I love doing it and I've got to go out there and do the best I can for myself. Um, but that feeling of being in fear, um, uh, being inferior, mm -hmm. is quickly passed. You know, got a gig at Celtic Park when Celtic uh, played Dundee at home and I'm sitting with James McFadden and Tom English. There's obviously that little bit of nervousness around it, you know. Get, you know, you, first of all, you've got to realise that I'm going there to do a job which I'm new to, you know, on on national radio. But then there's the other aspect of the people that I'm sitting with, who James McFadden is a household name, you know, probably the scorer, of the most one of the most famous goals in the national side's history. And then you've yeah. got Tom English, who's a very well respected journalist who's been around for years. But again, within minutes, that's that 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 nervousness is taken away just because they're nice people. That every single person I've met to this point could not have helped me out anymore. Um, so I think to answer your question, at the beginning, yeah, but that was that was in my own mind. These guys are human; they're people, and they're nice people, and it helps. Let's talk about the preparation for a game. How far in advance are you told what game you're going to be covering? Um, so. Generally speaking, it can vary, um, but it's usually a couple of days, maybe three days, probably three days, I would say, depending on how busy the week's been. Um, when they get to the next week, it's been possibly two days, but generally speaking, from my experience, I was, I've was i been given um, two or three days notice 
which is plenty of time. So how do you research for your games then? Say, we'll, we'll tell you again, because this is one game I was interested in talking to you about. The, the game between Berwick Rangers and Gretna 2008. Yeah. Now, I'd like to think I've got a fairly robust knowledge of Scottish football. These are two teams I know very, very little about. So when you're told, Rory, we're sending you down to Shieldfield Park, talk to me about the, the, the stages there from, from getting that phone call or the text message to actually heading in the car down to the ground. So... That was the first game I ever got on on television. So there's a number of things going through your mind. You're reading the, you know, the information booklet that you've been given, and you know, you, oh, you, do you get that? Do you get an information booklet? What's uh, what kind of stuffs in it? No, no, no. Sorry, not an information. Sorry, I said that. Not an information booklet on the teams, as in when I need to be there, who I'm going to be ah, working with, right. etc. Okay. So I see I'm working with Rob McLean, who I'd never worked with at that point. I know it's live on BBC Scotland. So these are things which in your head you're thinking, well, that's kind of a big deal. So you're trying to get your head around that and then you're, you're excited, but then you realise, oh, Berwick are playing Gretna. There isn't a lot of things there. So what I would generally do is I would start with the things that I do know about. I do know a lot about Alex Harris. I do know a lot about Tom Scobie. I do know that I did my licence with the caretaker of Gretna at that particular time. So I start there and... As I go through that, whether it be their website or whatever it may be, trying to get more information on the players, trying to source highlights. I actually got quite a lot of stuff from, I think it was um, Berwick. They actually got highlights of a lot of their games. I sat and, you know, that way where I, I take a keen interest in all levels and I end up watching highlights for, you know, games which I'm not no even relevant to the game I'm going to be covering <laughs> just because I, I enjoy it and you, you find out more. But, you know, I, I found out more about the, the strikers and how many goals they'd scored and the type of goals they scored, which is important as well. Um, there was a couple of clips of a few free kicks, penalty. I think they'd won 7-0 the week before, etc. But, again, when I went down there, squad numbers are so important. And this threw me a little bit when I covered the, the game last week with Clyde Bank and Elgin. Clyde Bank had basically listed on their um, the information that I got when I got to the ground because they give you a team sheet, but they've just they've not used squad numbers. They've just listed one to eleven and then subs 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 for Elgin. So when they all run out, and then I didn't realise at the time I wasn't thinking at the time that a lot of Elgin's players are on loan and the clubs. So I did a bit on Ross Draper and a bit on others. And of course, again, that's just human error. I wasn't even thinking their loan clubs won't let them play because mm -hmm. they want to be them to be. So there was like four or five changes. I didn't know their squad numbers. And that wasn't through a lack of effort for research. That was probably one one wee mistake which led me off the totally wrong direction. And I, it was challenging that game. Um, but the Berwick-Gretna game, listen, just, just sitting down and taking a couple hours out of your day to sit and do do the Gretna side and all the wee bits of detail that you don't really know and catching up on scorers and key facts and players and then taking a couple hours at your next day to do Berwick um, and aye and by the time you finish it all you do feel like you know the team you do feel like you know the players and, and, and how they play and what they're like some of them are challenging you know if you've got a 17 year old kid playing at right back and he's never kicked a ball in his life and it's his second game there's only so much information you can't even find out his age because he's you know he's not registered on the official website and he's uh, on trial. It, it can be challenging, but I think people at home, you know, the large majority of people appreciate that side of things as well. But no, for that particular game, I just I sat down, looked at the websites, looked at the histories, looked got as much footage as I could, and I also used um, I've got friends at that level of football, you know, asking them questions: what formation do they play, and um, what system did they play against you? Who's their who's their better players? 
why is it why is he the better player? I think why is always a good question. Um, you know, it's, it's fine. Oh, he's our best player. He, you know, it's, well, what makes him the best player and stuff like that. Stuff that again, I'll go back to that. I would want to hear if I was listening to Berwick versus Gretna. That's one of the things you you mentioned there, Rory, was about Alex Harris. That was something I really enjoyed about your commentary of that game because I think Alex Harris was at one point quite a, a highly tipped star. Obviously, hasn't quite worked out for, from there. So it was just interesting to listen to you try to contextualise why his career perhaps hadn't gone down the way that a lot of people might have expected at one point. Yeah. Um, and there was the game on, I think it was a couple of nights ago, I covered the game and it was a similar scenario. I can't don't I, I can't remember the player off the top of my head, but I like Alex Harris and it's, it's my experience of playing with him. And I think people are interested because they did quite a big bit on Alex Harris in terms of before the game with the guys, Colin Cameron and um, the guys in the studio and they were talking about how good um, his potential was, etc. And it's just trying to give people an insight into maybe his character or, mm. you know, a set of circumstances that has maybe led him to be at that level. Um, and just to give them an insight into to why possibly his career didn't turn out the way maybe people expected and why that's sometimes not necessarily a bad thing. Not everybody's suited to a certain level of football, a certain level of scrutiny, a, a certain level of um, pressure to perform in like anything in life. You know, you, you kind of happiness is key. And I feel like with Alex Harris, that one, I just feel like he's, he, he looked like he played with a smile on his face that night. And he looked like he loved it. And one of the things I noticed was that particular night, you know, they showed the highlight of him scoring in the semi-final against Falkirk. I tell you what, Craig, he celebrated that goal against Gretna every bit, you know, every bit as happy with that goal as he was with the one in the cup. And he's, he's one of the nicest guys you'll come across. But I just try to give people an insight into the guys I've played with and maybe the little bits and pieces. Because I don't know Alex Harris that well in the grand scheme of life, but um, he's a really decent guy. And um, it's just try to get, you know, that message across or convey your understanding of people. What's the match day experience like? What Talk me through what happens when you actually pitch up at the ground. What happens next? So basically, listen, I can only talk from the times I've been doing it. I'm sure a lot's changed during COVID, so I don't know what it was like, you know, pre-COVID with how, how the setup worked. But one thing I'm disappointed in is I, uh, it is clearly noted in all the emails that we had to get no refreshments at half time due to COVID. <laughs> I've so got I'm, that down as one of my uh, questions to ask if you uh, got fed and watered. Uh, well, I've missed out on a few, a fair few pies. <laughs> um, although at Dense Park, to be fair, I got a cup of tea and a, and a pie right enough. But um, so, I, I, I mean, it depends on the gig you're doing. Of course, if I'm doing open all mics, they would come to me, you know, half an hour, forty five minutes before the game with the team news, etc. Whereas if I'm co commentating on a game. You know, you wouldn't be on until the game starts. So, generally speaking, for open all mics, I like to be there well on time. I'll get there about half one. You dial into the studio and um, you wait for the team news to come in. I'll always have the team written down that played the previous game. Generally, tend to go with the previous league game. There's a lot of fixtures I've covered with maybe played in the. You know, if, if I'm covering in the Challenge Cup or all these different weird and wonderful tournaments they've got now where, you know, the team makes, you know, seven or eight changes, etc. So I always try and go with the last league game or last more important game and sit down, wait for the team used to come in, dial into the studio. Um, I'll do a little bit of research kind of last minute and things like that. And again, the guys, like, for example, um, last night, I'm sitting doing all my research, etc. Ross County won 5-0. That's their biggest win in, in um in history and Brian McLaughlin's there looking things up and helping me out and giving me information so that I can then um, tell people about it but yeah I, I normally get there at half one plug in um, dial through 
sit, watch the warm-up, take a keen interest, see if I can see anything that stands out. But all my prep's kind of done at that point, and it's just waiting to go on. I'll write a little bit about the team news, the changes. And at the start, what I used to do was I would write, so when the team news would come out, I would write down everything that, but then I found I was quite, sounded scripted when I was listening to myself back. So I tried to just write the changes down and then just kind of talk about it and make it more natural and what came to my mind rather than reading off a piece. Because obviously the can sound scripted. Last night, for example, I listened to myself back the the, the Dundee Ross County game. There, so much happened in that game that it was oh, difficult. Yeah. It was difficult not to have things written down in order. Otherwise, I would have get myself all over the shop. Listening back, I thought I sounded quite scripted. But again, I'm my biggest own biggest critic. But before the games and things, um, I'll just write down the changes, the formations, wait for them to come to me for the update on the teams, and then they fade everyone up at three o'clock. They started coming to me as well for certain discussion points which will happen between two and three give my my opinion on that and you generally get a bit of information on what they're going to chat about so that you can um, you can be aware of it and then yeah then it comes to the game and open all mics is brilliant I love it um, <laughs> and then if it's a, a co-coms game I, it's, I'm there in plenty of time about an hour before kick-off you get your um, you got all your research done you get the team news you chat to whoever you're commentating with get the oh who do you think the team will be all line up before one of the biggest things is you know, back four, back five, and not quite sure. And obviously, with about fifteen minutes of the warm up left, the defenders break off and they'll line yeah, up in a four. Yeah. So you know you're scribbling down new sheet of paper, this or that. So, <laughs> I it's all it's all go. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, the match day experience is is one which is which is good. Driving through for about half one, plugging in, sitting, doing all my bits and pieces, and then waiting for three o'clock. That sounds like an awful lot of preparation there, and, and without being being cruel to, to some of the, the, the people that might also appear on, on open all mics, they might not do the same level of preparation that you do. Um, you don't need I to mean, answer that one. That's perhaps an observation of mine. I, I, I know you're. Uh, I, I would need to be honest and say that's not something I've noticed. I, I find I find everybody is pretty detailed and pretty, um, you know, last night uh, or any experience I've had. Um, it's not something I've picked up on, if I'm being totally honest. Um, I think everyone is, is pretty detailed and everyone I've worked with has hordes of notes and hordes of different bits of information and clearly work hard on on getting their information right. So I, I have to be honest, it's not something I've picked up on. Go back to talking about being a co-commentator, Rory. The match against like Berwick Rangers in Greta 2008, for the best will in the world, it was a wee bit of a stinker. How do you try and remain enthusiastic and stay focused when the action on the pitch isn't all that fantastic? Again, I mean, it, uh, that game was close. It was closer than I thought it was going to be when um, Berwick went 2-0 up. I thought, it, uh, you know, the worst thing that can happen probably is a team to go, when you know there's a gulf, to go 2 or 3 up after 30, 40 minutes. But I thought the second half, great, and I gave it a, a right good go. And... Um, I suppose, I suppose it, uh, it comes down to, again, just trying to go back to the, the little bits and nuggets that you've got written down that maybe people wouldn't know at home and trying to touch on different things that people might not know or tweaks information or um, you know, little bits of things you notice during the game when the game's had a little bit of a lull. But it was a 2-1 game and Gretna gave it as good a go as they could. And yes, the quality was maybe not there at times, but I thought the entertainment value was there and people every so often like to sit down and watch these teams, two teams, two teams like that go at it. So you just try to remain, remain enthusiastic. But like I said, that's not, that's not me forcing it. It's something I enjoyed, you know, driving through to Berwick and, and watching the game. So 
nah, it's aye, it's it's sometimes the games aren't entertaining. But so for example, I mean, I watched Dundee uh, Dunfermline, sorry, play against Hamilton. Game was nil nil, and it was it was a tough <laughs> it was a tough watch, Craig. I would drive through to Berwick and, and watch Berwick Gretna before I would watch that game again. So it's it's the luck of the draw, and sometimes you'll get a nil nil. I've watched Dunfermline since against Rafe Rovers, and they played a massive part in the game and I loved watching the game and you're going to get the odd nil-nil and whatever else and Berwick Gretna has no difference but we get three goals and um, you know a pretty close cup tie in the end so um, it could have been worse The game on Monday night between Elgin City and Clyde Bank that was a good game of football that was entertaining that, that particularly at one point you think uh, Elgin City when they got that goal they, you think this is probably going to be a bit straightforward from, but the second half, certainly Clyde Bank uh, really looked like they were going to come into it. That, that must be a, a lot more fun to c- commentate on when there's just like, there's so much happening, particularly in that kind of game where there's, uh, a, a, to, to, to borrow a cliche, a good old-fashioned cup tie. Yes, and it's funny you mentioned cliches, Craig, so I was actually going to mention cliches there. It's one thing I, <laughs> it's one thing I try to avoid because it drives me mad when, when, when you hear these things continuously however it is very difficult when you're talking for 90 minutes not to refer to the odd cliche it's going to happen in that particular night there was no more obvious cliche than it was a game of two halves because literally whilst it's a cliche whilst everyone's probably oh god game of two halves I mean it was it was completely factual Elgin were excellent in the first half played some really really good football I was incredibly impressed with them I must say I couldn't quite believe they were sitting second bottom of the league too Um, and then they were a different team in the second half. It was unbelievable. I could not believe it. Jekyll and Hyde and Clyde Bank make a go of it in the crowd, they're jumping and cheering and whatever else. Um, and that was a fantastic game to watch. And I, I thought Clyde Bank over the piece should have won it and certainly could have won it. And um, again, I, I would love to. I'd love to beat the game on Saturday up at Elgin um, and, and to watch the replay to see who goes through because almost you feel you've got a vested interest in it now because you've watched it. You've been there. Um, but it was a challenging game to, to commentate on I must say for, for a number of reasons you know the squad numbers one being one yeah. I found it difficult because you don't know you don't know them off by heart it's not you're not watching top flight teams where you know the names roll off the tongue you, you know last night you know Jordan Marshall left back and you know although he's maybe not the most well known player in the world I know that Jordan Marshall's a left back for Dundee because you, you just know these things when you're involved in football whereas at that level it's more difficult whereas you see the squad number you can glance at but when the number doesn't match on your sheet that you're looking at to the <laughs> number on his back that then becomes another thing which ah, you don't want to start on things and you don't want to be disrespectful and you don't want to, people to listen at home going oh he's got his name wrong again or he's got, and it's difficult and I made a couple of mistakes that night and again it's a learning curve and it's a, a learning experience and um, I, I just want to try and get better Now as a former player Rory you'll have lots of friends that are still involved with the game how do you draw the? How do you toe the line? As how do you toe the line between trying to offer up criticism and worry about upsetting your friends? I'm thinking back to that game you mentioned, the first game you covered, the Partick Thistle Falkirk game. Falkirk at that point are being co-managed by Lee Miller. I know you're you're quite close with Lee Miller. So how do you how do you offer? What's the fine line between friendship and my mates having an absolute nightmare here? Aye, well that's not actually true. Gary Holt was a manager at that point. Uh, Lee and Cracks had left. Um, oh, right. I stand corrected, said the man in the yeah. office. Well, how about then the road? I'll change the question then. Uh, Wednesday night, last night, the, the match between Ross County and Dundee, because James McPake, you played with him at, at Dundee. What was I, what was what was that like when you see his teams have a nightmare and, and he's somebody that you know quite well? So I so 
I mean, I've praised James McPake to the hilt um, for weeks because he's done decided have been excellent. Um, I've covered a lot of his games where they didn't deserve to lose and they have lost. But one thing you can say about James McPake is he's as honest as the day is long. I wouldn't say anything that he wouldn't say in his interview. Um, and he would have been hurting last night. You know, James McPake sent me a message, maybe, I think it was after the I covered the Dunfermline Wraith game on the television. Um, he sent me a message to say, look, Rory, you, you found your niche there. Like, um, it's, you know, you sounded great. I know how difficult that job is. Keep it going. Well done. Um, you know, so I, I know him well. And like I said, I appreciated that message. And, you know, when Dundee pick up a win, I'll send him a wee message and whatever else. But, listen, Craig, they get beat 5-0. You know, they, they didn't perform. They didn't play well. On Saturday, Tynecastle covered the game and they absolutely deserved a point. And they were really, really good. I covered them um, against Aberdeen. And they were by far and away the better team against Aberdeen, regardless of what Dave Cormack says the stats look like. They were the they, they were by far and away the better team. So I think James McPake appreciates honesty. And if I was to turn around and say it was all rosy after a five 0 defeat, I think he would feel probably more annoyed and patronised than anything else, um, because you won't find a more honest guy than him. So listen, the the, the question is, is is a good question, but listen. You, I'm there to, at the end of the day, portray an accurate assessment of the action which has taken place, and I'm being and I'm being asked to do that. So that's what I'll do at the end of the day. And if people want to take the huff over that, then they can do. But I certainly don't know anyone that I've met in the game that would do that because at the end of the day, I'm there to do a job. Can't believe I've come out to play without doing my homework. There's us talking about. Uh, something to get wrong <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to get you out of it, but you. The, the good thing about this is it's no live. You can edit it. No, listen, keep it in. That's it. Keep it in. Listen, I'll be, be honest enough. If we're sliding off other folk for getting stuff wrong, keep it uh, keep it in there. Now, you've been working hard over the last seven days, Roy. You were broadcasting on Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, last night. How do you how do you combine your, your role as the doing the punditry and your, your day job? Um, listen, it can be challenging at times, but there are two jobs which I really enjoy. You know, working, working at Sky, like I said, and starting out answering the phones and then moving on to... Um, the next level, which is kind of you know managing the people who who, who take the calls, um, it's that that is a role that or that is a job which you know the the, the, the what's the word the call center works kind of notorious for I don't know you don't want to work in a call center or whatever else I went in there and the people I've met there and the experiences I've had and the grounding it's given me and the the job itself and the the opportunities and the experiences to learn how to manage and how to do different things within that environment has been priceless to me. And I was settled and I was happy for a long time. Well, I still am for, for two years. So I love doing the job, which helps. And then I love, absolutely love doing the commentary stuff and the punditry stuff. And it's challenging and it's time consuming, but I get out of bed every day looking forward to doing both. So I, I cannot complain. So it can be difficult to manage in terms of time, you know, on the odd occasion. But, you know, I, I feel privileged and lucky to 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 be in a position where I'm, I'm doing two jobs, which I really enjoy. Do you ever worry that you're on the, the airwaves that much? Folk are going for brilliant Rory Loy's commentating to thinking, fuck's sake, there's Rory Loy again. <laughs> well, after... Um, 10 years of 15 years of watching me play they're probably just happy they don't need to watch me play anymore mate <laughs> I'd, probably, I'd rather, li- rather listen to him than watch him try to control the ball <laughs> uh, the opportunity came up to, to move into broadcasting on a full time basis is that something you consider uh, but listen it's it's 
I'm, I've been doing it for three or four months now. I love doing it. I'm not getting ahead of myself, not taking it for granted. It could dry up as quickly as it started, mate. Um, I love doing it. And if that hypothetical scenario arose, then obviously you wouldn't think of it serious consideration. But like I said, I love doing what I'm doing at the moment. I'm not taking it for granted. I'm still very much new to it, still very much learning. There's loads of guys who are far better at it than I am. And I, I want to learn from them and take as much as I can and just get as, do as much work as I can and, and, and try and do it to the best of my ability, take on any feedback and continue to improve as much as I can. But no, like I said, it could dry up as quickly as it started. And I'm just, I'm just excited and privileged to be, have to, to have done as much as I've done over the last kind of few months. No, it's brilliant. It's great to see you kicking on and, and doing well with it. And of all the, the predictions I've ever made regarding football, you breaking into punditry is one of the about 1% of <laughs> things I've actually got right, man. <laughs> to, to see. Do you miss playing football at all, Rory? I miss a Saturday, I must say. I, I miss the buzz of a crowd. I miss the buzz of scoring a goal. Like I think that was more, never more prevalent than on Saturday at Tynecastle, you know. Funnily enough, it was the same result for the same team and the same fixture. Um, you know, I scored a goal at Tynecastle a few years back and I won each draw when I was at Dundee in a league game. And, you know, I know that feeling that Jason Cummins was feeling when he scored that goal. I know that feeling he had when he scored with 10 minutes to go or whatever else in front of the, the Hearts crowd and run at the Dundee fans. And, I mean, you can't not miss that. Um, you know, but the life of a footballer, Jason Cummins gets hooked after 60 minutes last night during a 5-0 defeat and probably feels like he's you know at the bottom of the barrel and that's that's football for you and that's what I don't miss I don't miss the highs and the lows I don't miss I don't miss the, the Monday to Friday I must say um, I, I don't I, I enjoy the Saturdays I enjoy the match day experience but yeah uh, there's there's loads about the, the Monday to Friday which I, I probably didn't enjoy I didn't particularly enjoy finishing pretty early um, it's one part of football I think actually in this country we could be better at is using the time more effectively and not finishing up so early you know you can't you don't need to be out on the pitch to be learning to be improving it's something which again that I anything I do I try and go into and do to the best of my ability whether I, I enjoy it or whether I'm good at it or not you know you, you, you can work hard and try and get your mo the most out of it and I, I didn't enjoy finishing at one o'clock every day and you know going home and go to the gym or what, just feel as a group and uh, teams in this country could look to probably make better use of the time during the week um, and I didn't particularly enjoy that and aye, the, the Monday to Friday stuff, the training and stuff, it became a bit monotonous for me and I know people might look at it and go oh, people would dream to be in that position but you can't help how you feel at the end of the day and after 15 years of it, it just kind of ran its course for me and I was interested in other things and I was um, keen to go down different avenues and uh, and do different things or try different things and I miss a Saturday I miss a match day experience I miss the nerves I miss the buzz of the crowd but the day to day stuff I can't say I miss it too much Remember when we entered, when we did our podcast back in 2018 you said you were doing coaching badges and you were looking to get into to management I suppose in, in a way that, that you, you are just not in a, not in a football sense is, is, is coaching in, in some, something you might be interested in the future? Listen, I'm passionate about management um, and managing people. I'm passionate about people, is what I would say. You know, I remember you saying that that was it. You weren't necessarily interested in the coaching side. It was effectively uh, managing. That's what you want. I don't. I don't get a kick out of thinking about going out on the grass and doing a passing drill or doing a tactical session or doing. I, I enjoy. 
I enjoy finishing drills and different things, st- stuff which I enjoy, but I don't particularly enjoy that. What I enjoy is getting the best out of people and communicating with people and understanding people. And that probably comes from periods of my career where I feel that that was missing massively. Um, and then you've got the other side of, that where there's, there's periods where, you know, it was very much there and managers who were excellent at it. And people will always remember how they feel. They're never, you know, and I just think that if, if a manager can tap into, you know, how you feel and know enough about you and, and things like that, then that's, that's key to performance. I just think you can get your tactics right. You can put your team out on the pitch, being as prepared as you can. But if they're not happy, whether that be off the pitch with nothing to do with football or whether that be something to do with what's going on in the dressing room, you need to be aware of these things and you need to be able to manage it and you need to be able to to get the best out of people. And I just like, I just care about people in general and, and getting the best out of them, like I said. And, and I, I just think that that whole ethos and idea, I think I would be more old school where I would probably be the guy who'd be a, a manager and then I would have a coach in place to do the football side of things because I'll be totally honest, I wouldn't say I'm the you know the best tactician in the world. There's people who'd be miles ahead of me, but I would always back myself to be able to go in and, and manage a group of people. Mm-hmm. Are you broadcasting over the weekend? Um, I don't know yet. I'm not sure. There you go. That's it. The, the, the fast-paced world of freelance broadcasting, isn't it? That's just it, mate. Well, listen, that was absolutely superb to talk to you. Thanks very much for taking the time out tonight. Brilliant to catch up with you. Pleasure. I look forward to doing it again in a couple of years. <laughs> and to a much lesser extent, I'd also like to thank everyone for tuning in. You could have been listening to any podcast tonight, but you chose to listen to this one. Uh, in fact, while you're listening to podcasts, go back and listen to those Perley podcasts that we were already in 2018. Still excellent, so go and have a listen. And if you like this and you are wealthy, please subscribe to our Patreon. There are podcasts going up every single day and you'd be foolish to miss out. Thank you once again for listening. He's been Rory Loy, I've been Craig Telfer, and this has been the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.